Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Hey, welcome back to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. We're here with an episode talking about cultural trends and especially in, in technology and the digital space with Chris Martin, who is the content marketing editor with Moody Publications. He's the author of the new book, Terms of Service, and he writes uh, the newsletter by the same name, Terms of Service. Highly recommend both of those resources for you and keeping in touch with what's happening in our world and in our culture and the ways that it affects uh, teenagers and students today. Uh, Chris was the youth pastor at his church and recently passed that to a friend and still serves as a volunteer in the ministry. So uh, we like to consider him the youth pastor emeritus at his church. And Chris, we're happy to have you on the Youth Pastor Theologian podcast again. Yeah, glad to be here and uh, excited to talk about these kind of upcoming trends and all that. All right. So Chris, when you were a teenager, what was your dream job? Um, it My wife makes fun of me because so my wife and I met in eighth grade uh, and knew each other all through high school. We're really good friends. We didn't start dating till college, but so she, she walked with me through those tumultuous high school years. Um, yeah. And uh, she jokes with me, or I, we kind of joke together. She makes fun of me because I wanted to be 800 different things when I, between the time I was in eighth grade to the time yeah. I finally decided w- roughly what I wanted to, what, what I wanted to do. And then once I decided what I wanted to do, I still didn't even do that. So, um, <laughs> I, man, it like in eighth grade, I was dead set. I had an amazing high school or, or sorry, eighth grade history teacher, social studies teacher. And, yeah. um, I was dead set in eighth grade that I wanted to be the president of the United States. So like oh. I, yeah. Dreaming and big. I was serious. Like I was like, I'm yeah. going to go to West Point military Academy. I'm going to, um, become a lawyer and then become a senator and then become president of the United States. And like was sure, like I had them all mapped out and like was yep. sure how I was going to do it. Um, then in high school, got very disenchanted with politics and was like, nah, don't really want to do a whole politics thing. It's like interesting to me, but like, I don't like that in order, this was me in high school, though I suppose it could still kind of apply to me today. I was like, I don't like that you have to, the way you win is by doing wrong things. You know, like I was like, I was like, you can't win by being a good person. It felt like to me at the time. So I was like, integrity, uh, huh? Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, So I was like, I don't, I I was like, I don't like that. The way you win is not very great. So, um, so then I was like, I don't really want to do that. And then in high school, I really started like writing a lot. So, um, and that's obviously stuck with me to today. I had an amazing, again, I like teachers are so important. I went to a huge public, school system and public high school, but man, my English teachers all through high school are the reason I am still in the sort of writing industry today and love writing myself like as an author, Mm. but also I work for a publisher. Um, But my high school English teachers were all amazing. And my freshman, sophomore teacher, Mr. Hauser is the main reason I started getting interested in something writing related. Um, Like my freshman year, I was in a English keyboarding block, which was 
I had four like four classes every day, so every class was like an hour and a half long. My first mm-hmm. class every day was English with Mr. Hauser, who was like, if you've ever seen Friday Night Lights? He's like Coach Taylor. Uh, yeah. Like that was him. Like super awesome. passionate football coach, but also like an amazing teacher and just like cared about you as a person. And so mm-hmm. um, he uh, he taught me to love writing. We had to turn in a f- four to five page essay, three to four page essay every Friday in his class as a freshman in high school. It was pretty formative. Yeah. Um, so and on top of that, I started out in, in a journalism class, um, like working for my school newspaper my sophomore year. Yeah. And um, I was like, you know what? I think this is what I want to do. I loved sports. I was a huge Cubs fan. And I was like, I think I want to be a sports writer. I was watching yeah. Pardon the Interruption and, and Around the Horn every afternoon after school when I got home on ESPN. And I was like, I want to be a sports writer and preferably write about the Chicago Cubs. And so that was like freshman, sophomore year. So like I um, started looking into like the best journalism schools. I was like, I think Northwestern is in Chicago and like it's an amazing journalism school. And then toward the end of high school was like, uh, I did not get editor in chief of the paper, which I was heartbroken about. And was like, there's no way I'm going to get into Northwestern. Like I just, there's no chance. And I probably wouldn't be able to afford it anyway. So then I started get, becoming kind of disenchanted. Then I wanted to go into like tech, like social media. I wanted to go yeah. like Google was really exploding in the two thousands and Twitter and, and Facebook were just exploding. I was like, I think I want to go out. And I started writing a tech column for my high school newspaper and oh, okay. like I, I wrote a column about the iPhone when the iPhone was first announced in 2007. Really? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So like I was like, I think I want to go out and work in Silicon Valley. But at that point, that was like so, uh, junior, senior year. I hated math. And I was like, ah, math is kind of important for most of the jobs <laughs> you're going to go work out there. Yeah, um, tech. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I like really hated math. And so um, on top of that, the Lord really, that was around when I think I became a believer and the Lord really started convicting me about like caring about money too much. Like I was like, I could just go make a ton of money and work for these really cool tech companies uh, and like love Jesus too. Now it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's like wrong to make money, but yeah. I had a really, yeah. I had a really bad attitude about it. Like I, it's like yeah. all I was, I was like, Oh man, I could just go like be rich working for Google. It'd be so amazing. Um, and so through some friends and stuff like that, um, I was like, all right, I feel convicted about this. I probably shouldn't pursue it because it would be bad motivation plus the whole math problem. And so I had a friend be like, or it may have been even my dad was like, if you could do anything and money didn't matter, like what do you, what do you think you would love to do? And I was like, I think, I think I might want to be a high school English teacher. And so I uh, went to college pursuing English education and was like, I think I, cause I like teaching. I like, like I've been doing a lot of tutoring and that kind of thing. I love yeah. reading and yeah. I love writing. I think I want to be like Mr. Hauser. It's kind of like my, I think I yeah. want to be like my yeah. high school English teacher and um, planned on doing that. And then found out during college that uh, I really liked reading theology more than reading 18th century British poetry. And was like, you know, maybe this reading, writing, teaching thing is going more of a ministry direction, which that's a whole other story. But I was really scared yeah. and convicted by some friends like, I didn't think the Lord was calling me to ministry, but mainly because I was afraid and like didn't know what that meant and yeah. uh, had some friends who were like, yeah, we definitely see this in you and we think you're just afraid of it. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. And so I, that's when I changed my major to Bible. and was like, I don't know what ministry looks like, but I think the Lord's right. calling me to something like that. So um, so anyway, that's that's kind of the short oh, journey, but I, I wanted to be a hundred things. Super- I wanted to be. Yeah. But it's super interesting to to hear you talk through that, you know, all those different plans and to 
just kind of know you a bit over social media and, and now in, in this podcast and just to see the ways that those still I'm not super surprised by any of those. And I and I still see the way that Lord has weaved those together to equip you for what you're doing currently. That's pretty cool. I know it is. It is really cool. And I, and I think often about that. Um, and it's it is really it's really crazy. I would have never expected those things to all kind of weave together the writing, yeah. the interest in social media, the yeah. ministry. It, it really has all woven together in this way, in a really cool way that I would have never expected. And I like I didn't know, like, I really view my work working in Christian publishing as ministry, like, uh, yeah. in very, I mean, there's very clear ways that that's the case. Um, and I, when I was in college getting a Bible degree, I never thought of yeah. Christian publishing as a possible career route. I really only right. had pastor, like pastor was my only understanding of what going into ministry looked like. Yeah. I think uh, that's or or missionary, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I was like, um, working in Christian publishing just wasn't even on my radar. I didn't even think about that. If I would have yeah. known about that, it probably would have been really appealing to me. I just hadn't even right. thought about it. So yeah, yeah. man, it's, it is the Lord's work and, and kind of providence through that has been really cool. Yeah. Well, you know what that means, right? Uh, next up, president of Moody Publications. There we <laughs> right, go. Right. President, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, I always yeah, want to yeah, be president. Yeah. I can tell you I, I, so. I will never uh, try to be president for real. Uh, that is for sure. So, All right. Hey, so as we talk about youth ministry and culture and, and cultural trends, um, you know, one one thing that I can think back to even as, as more recently as, you know, five or six years ago, uh, a conversation that I would have with students in my ministry were about virtual friendships and just saying, you know, virtual friends aren't real friends. Um, you know, it, and, you know, talking with students who are kind of loners who uh, lived in the video game space um, really, you know, significantly uh, seems to have a really hard time connecting with other youth group students and just friends in uh, what we would call real life. Um, talk to us a little bit about virtual friendship, because I think by now we can all recognize that virtual friends are real friends. But when all you have is virtual friends, that can really hamper and um, cause some struggle in connecting with people in the physical space and in the real world. So what do you see in that space of virtual friendships? And how do you encourage youth workers to think that through? Yeah, so I would have said the same thing you did, uh, that virtual friends are not friends, even more recently probably than you had. Um, and I would still say that, like like maybe even you would and, and some other youth ministers probably would, is that virtual friendships are not on the same level as embodied friendships. Um, simply uh, that's because... That's probably a better way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I think like I would still say that. Like I would still say that a virtual friend cannot be there for you in the same way that a embodied friend can be there for you. Yes. Um, however, I would be very careful about how I say that to a student. Um, yeah. You know, there I've, I've learned over the years in youth ministry to be careful about things I think are true that I, or, or that I know are true and not, and being careful about how to say them to students um, because you never know quite how a student is going to take something that you say that may be very true but um, may not be taken in the way that you intend it to be taken uh, and interpreted. Yeah. So I, while, while I think that virtual friendships 
online friendships are not um, as um, intimate as and never can be as intimate as embodied friendships are. I don't think that makes them invaluable or, or not not valuable. Um, invaluable, yeah, I suppose, agreed. can be uh, interpreted different ways, but I don't think that makes them not valuable. I think they can be very valuable. And I find the virtual space to be best for maintaining embodied friendships rather than bearing the whole weight, the whole burden of a friendship. So while I'm sure there are plenty of students in your youth ministry, if you're listening, plenty of students in your youth ministry who uh, have friends who are primarily online, um, you know, through that they've met through video games or or Discord servers or or subreddits or other online spaces, Twitch streams. Um, I would I would not tell those stu- I would not demean those friendships in front of those students. Like I would not say go get some real friends or something like that. Um, <laughs> I just, That'd be so harsh. Yeah, and you're just like now you may think that youth minister, if you're listening, or youth youth worker, you may think that, and I understand the thought behind that. Because there is a value in like having offline friends that you know go to your church yeah. or go to your school that can be there for you in tragedy or something like that. Um, but I, I would I would be careful to not say something like that to a student because that's just a really easy way to lose trust. Um, and I think youth minister, if you think that, like if you think an online friendship is not real friendship, I think you may be surprised at how intimate online friendships can really be. And I don't mean like in a sexual way, though certainly I suppose it can be, but like in a yeah. in a in an in-depth way, like there's a lot of intimacy in online friendships. There really can be. Um mm-hmm. and and your students surely if they have online friends are sharing things with online friends that they aren't sharing with embodied friends. Um and that can be very negative and very toxic and harmful, but um it doesn't invalidate those relationships. And that's part of why you should probably take great care in how you talk about those relationships. Um, yeah. And so I think that uh, online friendships and speaking of when I say online friendships, I mean, friendships that are primarily online, uh, like perhaps where your student met those people online rather than mm-hmm. the online portion of an embodied friendship. Right. I don't mean like yeah. how your, how your, how your student talks to their friends from school on the internet. Cause that's really an embodied friendship that just has online components. Um, right. But I think, you know, like if you've got students who play call of duty and they have friends on a discord server that they play call of duty with who live five States away or around the yeah. world, like those are online friends. I think those are very real friendships they're just on a very different level of magnitude and intimacy. However intimate they may be, they can never be on the same level as an embodied friendship. And I would say like encourage embodied friendships without discouraging online friendships is, is how I would try to approach something like that. Now, again, like there are safety concerns regarding online friendship. Like you should take all matters of precaution, especially when talking with students about those like, Hey, like be careful who you're connecting with. They may not be who you think they are. Da da da. But don't, I would just say like, man, don't demean that. Like, don't tear that down because those yep. are really valid. Like I, when I was in middle school and again, this was like 2003, 2004, I was in a video game organization with called brothers in Christ with a bunch of Christians from around the world, primarily in the U S yep. but there were some in the UK yep. um, and, and Australia. I think we had a couple Australians. Um, 
and we all played the same video game. We get on TeamSpeak, which is an old school version of Discord, I guess you could say. We get on TeamSpeak and play video games together every day. There were some guys who were like 35, some guys who were 15 like me. Um, we'd play video games together. They would have worship nights together. We yeah. would host, we'd host a server, which, you know, was like a, a space where you played the video game. And yeah. uh, it'd be like no cursing. We'd try to like be like, we'd ha- try to have the way a lot of times you do like missions or like do ministry in video games is sometimes not quite just outright gospel proclamations. Often it's just like having a place where people aren't jerks to each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like we had a server where like you couldn't be mean and there was no cursing and it was like a very positive kind of encouraging place. Yeah. And um, so like that kind of thing is very real and doing ministry in that kind of space is very real. And I think it's important to not um, kind of just go after students who might be experiencing something like that. Right. Yeah. That's really good. That's helpful. Um, so in um, in the wake of COVID and so much remote learning and where a lot of, you know, timelines, um, time restrictions that students have had previously were kind of lifted. And um, I just know for me, I mean, I have a 14 year old son and 11 year old daughter. And um, I, I just got to admit, I mean, the, the amount of time that they spent on YouTube and on video games, my, my son, you know, plays Xbox and is on Discord. Um, the amount of time they spent online, both for remote school and for just social connections with their friends that are actual embodied friends and virtual friends that they made has been through the roof. Um, what are what are some implications that you can see that youth workers are going to be navigating in ministry to students after so much unfettered access in that remote friendship world? Oh, man. I mean, yeah, you just it's so hard because um, I don't fault parents who did what you did. Like, I totally get it. Um, and. Uh, even with our two-year-old, I mean, like my, my wife and I were like, we really want to control screen time. But like, even, I mean, our daughter was born like at the beginning of the pandemic. So we've done a lot more of that kind of thing than we would like. And, and um, I, I get it. I get it. It's a, I would say, yeah, you're going to have increased issues regarding um, depression and anxiety. Probably Uh, you're going to have a lot of students who themselves probably would have considered online friendships, ridiculous, now finding themselves relying on them um like the prevalence of online friendships has surely surely skyrocketed i'm sure like i don't have stats on this but i'm sure like pornography use is way up i'm guessing i it's already going to be high among students so like yep. I, like uh but i'm sure it's only that's only exacerbated the issue um so yeah like i think the uh i think i guess what i would say is that the whole covid situation if you didn't find it important to be aware of what your students are doing on the internet before COVID you better now, like you better understand the importance of that now Um, because your students live online more than they live offline, probably in a lot of ways. Like they're a lot of their culture is, is derived from the internet, from TikTok videos. I mean, like the cultural clout of TikTok is just incredible. Like the Mm -hmm. rate that it drives, uh, language use, like different, different slang. Um, yep. the, the rate that it, that it drives, like what music is popular, just like the, the cultural 
impact of TikTok. Even if your students are like, I don't have TikTok, I don't use it. If they're being truthful or lying, they've been impacted by it, um, by the music they listen to, by the people they, the influencers they pay attention to, all of that. So, um, so I would just say like, if you haven't been convinced before the last two years to be aware of what your students are doing on the internet, you should be more aware now. That's what I would say. All right. Yeah, totally agreed. So what are some uh, places where we can go to be informed? Um, I know in your terms of service, you you routinely provide some really helpful um, you know, articles and trends and identifying those. What are some other areas and places where youth workers can go to discover and pay attention to those things? Yeah. So it is like you mentioned my newsletter and I've never thought about it because I don't, the newsletter that I write is not for student ministers, but frankly, it's, it's probably one of the better Christian places to find online trends for and yeah. that would apply to student ministers. It Again, does. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to pat my own back in that way. Like I, cause I just never thought about it in that light, but I really it's think very helpful because I try, I try to find that stuff because it's interesting to me. Um, yeah. So one of the, there's a hundred places I could point you and none of them are really Christian because yeah. most Christian places are like reacting to stuff They're usually far, yeah, far later. Um, and are which is why like, I, which is why I find your newsletter really helpful because yeah, yeah you, you could tell that you're tapped in. Yeah. And, and it's like a lot of it ends up being kind of negative. Like don't let your kid use TikTok cause it's gonna make them hate their body image or something, which is very true and possible but like that tends to be the kind of stuff you end up getting when you get christian commentary on a new trend which i don't i'm just not usually trying to strike that tone so i uh but a couple of places that i could recommend that i like my source material if you will that i'm paying attention to um are not christian so take that into account you're not going to share the worldview of a lot of this stuff but it will inform you on some of the trends um, there's a, in my opinion, the best social internet and internet culture writer in the world is Taylor Lorenz. She's a journalist used to be with the New York times and is now with the Washington post. Let me say again, you will not agree with her worldview probably at all, but, um, you will learn more about young people's internet culture from her than you will learn anywhere else. Um, now it, Okay. I guess it doesn't really matter if you're not subscribed to either platform, but like I, I'm a New York Times subscriber because generally they've had some of the best social media coverage in the last decade. Yeah. Um, in part because of her. Now she's at the Washington Post, so I have to be like, oh, do I have to go get a subscription to the Washington Post? Um, because her yeah. stuff is just so good. Uh, but okay. I would say like read everything that you can from her that you can get access to because she yeah. is, she was covering TikTok before everybody else. Um, she has been on top of every major trend coming out of that thing. Um, and, and, Mm. and Instagram. So keep track of her stuff. Even if you just follow her on Twitter, she's a great Twitter follow for this kind of thing. Um, Taylor Lorenz, Taylor Lorenz. I think it's just at Taylor Lorenz on Twitter. Um, and she, she's one of the most, the foremost people on this kind of thing. Um, I also pay attention to a handful of like other newsletters that are similar to mine, but again, focus more on this stuff. Um, so yeah. another one that's kind of new that I've just started following is called Dirt. Uh, just search like Dirt <laughs> newsletter or Dirt Substack. Just today they published something on a new trend regarding uh, 
like lo-fi study video. So like there's this music called lo-fi music that a lot of young oh, yeah. people listen to. I, I like listening yeah. to it a lot. Yeah. And there's like a YouTube video. It's like this cartoony, like raccoon looking girl listening to lo-fi music and like doing her homework in this very like chill vibey bedroom. And it's just like a yeah. loop video that yeah. plays music. Um, so like people, a trend is people have started doing that them like but like real live people so like they'll mm -hmm. go on tiktok and they'll go live and have themselves like studying for a college exam and like have yeah. lo-fi music in the background but instead of this like cartoon girl on a youtube stream it's like a real yeah. person that you feel like you're just like hanging out in the library with someone is how i would describe right. it yeah. so like that's a new trend that i have seen on my tiktok feed but have yeah. not seen somebody kind of analyze it and like why people find it appealing and identify until i read it. yeah yeah i read yeah. this newsletter from from dirt this morning and so they've done a really good job in the last month or so that i've been following them of identifying yeah. a lot of uh random trends like that um yeah also some other random names for you to to go follow like casey newton charlie warzel um those rebecca jennings i think is another one these are people who are kind of like taylor in that they're like writing about these things pretty regularly um but they the reason i don't put them maybe on the same level as hers they're just not doing it with quite as much frequency um, and sometimes are more elaborating on a lot of things she may uncover. Okay. Uh, whereas she, she is often one of the first to identify a lot of things. So those are a few names. You can kind of pause the podcast, go look them up if okay. you want. I say yeah, again, we'll put not... their names in the show notes for the episode. Yeah. So you can yeah. check out the show notes and we'll, yeah. we'll drop their names. So that's there. what I would say. Those are, those are some of the ones that I'm reading most frequently. Um, and that come that are paying attention to a lot of these things. Again, yeah. you will not agree with any of their worldviews. They're not believers, but yeah. you will find their insights into kind of what are some up and coming trends to be quite helpful. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. Um, so um, I know we want to have a, just a short conversation about the metaverse, because uh, I know that's uh, a, a big question mark in a lot of people's minds as we move forward uh, in uh, just what the social world is going to look like. Um, I know in youth ministry, we tend to be early adopters and to really pride ourselves on that. Um, and what you see happening in the church world as something that's new and edgy and whatever, a lot of youth pastors kind of yawn at and think we've been doing that for five years. We've been having those conversations in student ministry for a number of years. And so youth, youth pastors really are on the cutting edge of a lot of this stuff. Uh, and having conversations about social issues and technological ministry uh, in ways that kind of the broader church world um, kind of is playing catch up on. So I just want to pick your brain a little bit on what is the metaverse? Kind of what should youth pastors think about engaging? Or let me rewind a little bit. How can youth pastors be thinking about the metaverse and how should we evaluate whether or not we turn to a meta platform for ministering to students? Man, uh, this could be a podcast episode in itself, so I'll try to do this as quickly as I can. Um, the metaverse purely defined like on a simple level without like i will not cover every facet here so if anybody's listening and they're yeah. very into the metaverse you won't be happy with what i'm about to say uh, it, <laughs> it will not be it will not suffice but um it is a shared network of virtual experiences uh which can allow for the transfer of digital assets over multiple virtual spaces uh and it is technically not supposed to be owned by a single corporation or anything like that but is 
a network of decentralized internet protocols that are virtual experiences, more often like virtual reality sort of experiences than text-based experiences or the like. Mm -hmm. So um, in the pure definition of a metaverse, like, uh, you know, you see these companies coming up with their own metaverses today. You see Facebook's metaverse and and Microsoft's metaverse and all of these different companies kind of trying to stake their claim in the metaverse. Well, they're all really betraying the idea of a metaverse, if you will, because no one company is supposed to own the metaverse as, as it is ideally and purely understood. Um, okay. So like uh, the whole point of a metaverse experience in Web3, which is like metaverse exists within Web3, the whole point of a metaverse experience is to is for decentralization to not rely on mega corporations that currently run the internet uh, to to mediate all of our experiences. So, um, so that's what I would say. Uh, and I think we have a gross misunderstanding of the metaverse right now, popularly, because we just think like, oh, it's like you have like Pixar adv- avatars and hang out, and it's like, well, yeah, it's like part of it. But a lot of people don't know that like if you purchase a pair of shoes for your digital avatar in metaverse a you're supposed to be able to wear those virtual shoes on your avatar in metaverse b like they're supposed to the whole point is that the assets you're supposed that you purchase or acquire are supposed to be able to transfer from metaverse to metaverse environment Um, but like right now that's just not set up to be the case so like what i would say is metaverses have existed for a long time yeah. Minecraft is a metaverse. Roblox is a metaverse. Fortnite is a metaverse. World of Warcraft is a metaverse. Um, these are all metaverse experiences in a way. Uh, they're not perfectly metaverse because their assets don't transfer. If you buy a piece of armor in World of Warcraft, you cannot put that on your character in Fortnite. Um, like these are, and I, they're all video games, but really those the best idea the like the best manifestation we have of a metaverse right now are those video games and and when we all experience the metaverse as we idealize it right now it will feel more like a video game than anything mm-hmm. um it will feel more like a social video game perhaps than like a you know a shooter video game or something like that but it will feel like a video game in some respect it'll just be very social um so like uh, so metaverses kind of exist. You, they, they have their own economies. Like that's an important part of a metaverse. The main missing component, I guess you could say, is that the assets that you purchase in these different universes, these different virtual universes do not transfer. That's why it's not a metaverse. Meta means to, you know, like zoom out and kind of connect everything. Yeah. Uh, and and the, they're not connected. So they're not true metaverses, but they're the closest thing we kind of have uh, where you can have this sort of virtual online existence and there's an economy and socialization and that sort of thing. Um, the re- I, I am, um, I don't think the metaverse is worth a lot of time right now um, for ministries. Now I understand, as you say, youth ministries tend to be ahead of the curve, but I think this is really like a youth group by youth group thing. So yeah. um, like, this is something where no one in my youth group, maybe one or two students in my youth group have a VR headset. So like, as we understand the metaverse is going to require a VR headset for like true to truly experience it yep. as we all kind of perceive right. it. Um, like maybe one or two students of the 30 that regularly come to our student ministry have a VR headset. So like why, why on earth would any of me or the other people who serve in the student ministry focus on a metaverse ministry right now? It's just like a waste of time. Like 
it would be more vi it would be better for us to create a minecraft server because we have more students playing minecraft than to like worry about the metaverse as we you know as we understand it so i just don't think it's like for us it would be a waste of time and no i think we should maybe be reading articles about it we should be becoming aware of it and being understanding of what it's going to yeah. look like but the reason i say it's a waste of time is like whatever you read about the metaverse today may not be relevant to whatever it actually becomes when your students are in it you know right. yeah. um and so i i just think like now if you've got if you're in a super tech savvy area or something like that and like half your kids are hanging out in v in in like vr spaces on a regular yeah. basis okay like now it's time to start having a conversation like what does it look like is there something we should be doing there is this something we is this something we just like avoid for right now um i think it should be kind of a youth group by youth group basis it is not widespread enough right now for you to be focusing your ministry on like yeah there are just a lot of other bigger priorities that i think i i talk to a lot of student ministry people uh most of them feel overwhelmed by doing the ministry that's in front of them uh and so i would say like un until you have your ministry under control where like your all your students are being discipled well you don't have any like issues that you're trying to resolve um, until you have a good like social media plan, like nobody who nobody should be focusing on the metaverse if they haven't figured out how social media fits into their ministry yet. Cause yeah. like, it's frankly, it's just a further iter It's like the fusion of social media and, and commerce and video games. That's what the metaverse is. And so, um, I think like you should not be worried about the metaverse if you're still trying to figure out how TikTok works. Now, if you're like, yeah, we figured out TikTok. We figured out not to do an account there, but we know we know like we're paying attention to trends. We're paying attention to how it's impacting our students. And now we have students who are getting into VR spaces and they're spending regular. Okay, different conversation. But I would say you're the exception to the rule. Like if you find yourself in that place, yeah, you are in in a small minority. But in five, like we talked about, I think in a previous episode where I was with you, my conversation about like my advice about Snapchat has vastly changed in the last like six to eight years. Yeah. Um, why what i say about the metaverse will change in the next five to ten years hands down it will yeah. become more relevant it will become more um like students will be in it a lot more and it'll be more uh just relevant to student ministry but i think right now most student ministers it's something to be reading about learning about and maybe getting a vr headset yourself and tink tinkering with and figuring out what it's like but i think uh you shouldn't be trying to figure out how to hold youth group in the metaverse <laughs> Because mostly you'd be there by yourself probably right. <laughs> or, or with one or two students. So, yeah, no, that's good. That is super helpful. And I mean, here at Youth Pastor Theologian, we're, we're trying to focus on uh, theological engagement in youth ministry. Uh, we're not just chasing cool. Um, I, I think most um, most of our readers, most of our listeners are really trying to be uh, thoughtful and deliberate about how are we pursuing ministry? How are we thinking biblically and theologically about what youth ministry even is? And to think biblically and theologically about how do we make disciples of students? So it is helpful and important, I think, for us to think with, with that biblical theological framework about what the metaverse is, about embodied friendships and embodied community. I think there's been really helpful conversation in that regard. And I just want to close out with that simple admonition to just make disciples, um, preach the gospel, apply the gospel, listen to students, ask good, thoughtful questions to get them opening up and talking about um, their, their doubts, their loves, their dreams, 
and help them to see the the faithfulness of Jesus Christ rather than just chasing metaverse experiences. So, Chris, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great to chat. All right. So check out Chris Martin. Uh, check out Terms of Service, both the book and the newsletter. And um, we have a whole bunch of others to follow in the show notes that Chris has pointed us to to keep in touch with social media trends and what's happening in our culture. So thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. If you would uh, share it with your friends, give us a rating review online. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. And we will see you next week. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week. <music>